all of us here at Troy Church in Troy, Alabama, thank you for tuning in to our podcast. If you would like more information on who we are, what we believe, or how to get involved, please visit us at troychurch.tv or email us at info, I-N-F-O, at troychurch.tv. Uh, my name is Colby, like Zach said. Uh, I'm the family pastor here at Troy Church, and this morning we're going to continue our walk uh, through Genesis. Uh, we saw last week that Abraham's sons and his grandsons have really began to make a mess of things. Uh, we see these two duos, this father and firstborn son, and this mother and secondborn son, uh, express in different ways. Uh, they're not trusting of God, and we saw some really serious moral failures in that. And we see those things to be present in ourselves, uh, either through like active, you know, active presently in us, or we see those temptations in our hearts as well. Um, and yet through all of that mess, we see that God is working out His plan, a plan uh, to make Jacob the heir of the promise to Abraham, despite his being the second-born child, a plan to make a nation of a people who would look to him as their God, a plan that would peak at the birth and life and, and resurrection of Jesus. And what we saw in, in Isaac and Rebekah and, and Jacob uh, and their attempt to bend the will of God is, is that you can't. Uh, despite their attempt, despite the, the father and son duo, what they tried to do last week is they tried to, to beat God to the punch. They tried to, to make something happen before God could make something else happen. And what we see in, in them doing that is that they failed to do so. Because they couldn't do it. And we see that Jacob, despite his sin, despite his not deserving the blessing and not deserving the promise that God was going to give to him, we see God makes it happen anyways. We see God continues in his faithfulness towards him even though he didn't deserve it. And, and what Isaac, the father here, what he seems to finally understand in this passage in Genesis 28 is that God's plan is going to work. What he sees after, after trying to, to scheme around it is that God's plan is going to come to fruition. And we see that here in the first part of this chapter as he blesses Jacob. You see, last chapter he blessed Jacob unknowingly. Jacob deceived him. You know the story, if you weren't here last week, about the wool on the arm and where Jacob pretends to be his brother because his father's blind. And we see that, that Isaac mistakenly blesses Jacob. But here in this passage, now understanding the plan of God, now on board with God's plan, we see him bless Jacob rightfully this time. I want you to read that with me. Zach, let Hannah read the fun verses. So I'm going to read the first. We'll read one through four. Uh, and then we'll, we'll pick up later the different part. But read verses 1 through 4 with me there. Genesis 28, 1 through 4. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him. You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Arise, go to Padan Aram to the house of, the, of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's daughter. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you have become a company of peoples. May he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padan Aram, to Laban the son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's and Esau's mother. And so we see here, like, like, 
Isaac genuinely blesses Jacob this time. And we see in a moment that God's going to, to give another blessing and extend this promise to him later in this passage. But what we see here in this passage is that God's plan is going to happen. This is what Isaac has learned. This is what I hope that we would learn this morning. And what I hope that we would see, the mindset that we would have that as we approach this text, is that God is doing things in this world. God is going to work out His will. God's going to bring His kingdom. God is actively working. And He'll do so with or without us. But, mysteriously, He invites us to work with Him. Like God, in all of His sovereignty, can do things however He wants to. But in, in this mysterious, mysterious way, He has invited us to join in that. To participate with Him in the things that He's doing. Things that He's doing in, in people, in our city, in, in groups. Uh, they're all things that, God's, that God is doing, and He is calling us into that, to act with Him, to participate with Him. Think about how Jesus prays, Thy, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. Like, that's the goal. That's what God is doing. And in, in Jesus praying that, he's, he's submitting to that, and He's participating in it. And, and God's inviting us to do the same thing. And out of, out of this truth, out of this understanding that God is working, and that He is inviting us in on it, there is two responses. And what we see here in this passage is a watershed moment for Jacob and Esau. Like there's, they come to the point where, where their fathers realized, and they have to begin to realize God is working, and God's plan is going to come true. Will we submit to God's plan, or will we rebel against it? And we see in, in Esau and Jacob a, a picture of both. God has said, I'm going to be working and active in humanity as I bring my plan uh, to fruition for redemption, as I, as, I, as I work and bring my kingdom to this place, and faced with this truth that really the only two options we have, are we going to submit to it, or are we going to rebel away from God? Will we rebel against God? And Jacob and Esau, like I said, we see both of these things happen. One will submit to God and His plan, while the other will turn even further from God in rebellion. This is how we'll walk through the rest of the passage, looking first at Esau's response to God or to the plan to, to what Isaac says, and then also looking at Jacob's. So I want you to read verses 6 through 9 with me. So Jacob has, or Isaac has blessed Jacob. Esau overhears this, and listen to how, how he responds, verses 6 through 9. It says, Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan Aram to take a wife from there. And that as he blessed him, he directed him, You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and gone to Padan Aram. So when Esau saw that the Canaanite women did not please Isaac, his father, Esau went to Ishmael and took as his wife, besides the wives he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebaioth. And so what we see in Esau as he overhears this, this blessing from Jacob is that he's going to spite his father. Out of anger, he's going to do exactly what his father wished him not to do. Marry someone who he would have not wanted him to marry. He goes to, to Ishmael. This is Abraham's brother. Goes to him and takes his daughter as a wife. People who weren't following God either. People who were rebelling against God. And what we see in Esau's response though it seems like he's just disobeying his father, really he's rebelling against God. He's rebelling against this plan that God has made clear to Isaac. He, Isaac's gotten on board. He blesses Jacob, and Esau turns further away from God. 
See, Esau had hoped that this blessing would be his. He thought it was rightfully his because he was the firstborn. But God had a different plan. And, and because Esau didn't agree with this plan, he rebels against God. He spites his father, turns further away from his father and from God, and hopes to kill Jacob even. And so he, he had hoped that somehow this blessing would be his despite what God had said. And when he sees that it's not going to happen, he turns even further from God. He rebels against his father. He would spite his father and take this wife, knowing that it would displease him. And this is a childlike response to not getting his way. This is a, a spiteful response to not getting the thing that he wanted, the thing that he thought was best. And I wonder how often like, we respond to God in that way. I wonder how often we approach God that way. When, when his plan isn't our plan, when we don't get the things that we think we should get, we don't get maybe a raise or a new job. Uh, students who are like in middle school, high school, like you don't get on the team that you think you should get on. Uh, you don't get uh, the girlfriend you wished you had. Uh, you don't get the car you want. Like, what do we do when those things happen? Do we pout and complain and gripe before God? Like, there's a place to go before God in prayer and to be upset, but do we turn from God? Do we rebel against God? Maybe it's not quite that extreme. Maybe we don't actively rebel against God. Maybe it's more subtle. Maybe we're prone to only praise God when things are going good. And maybe we're only prone to talk about God when things are going good in our lives and when we feel blessed. And if we do this, if, if we only respond lovingly to God whenever we feel like He's doing good things for us, then we really aren't loving God. We're loving the things that we thought He would give us. We're loving the things that we thought would, would come from loving God. And I want you to think about this. Did, did Esau really love his father? Did Esau really love his father? Or just the blessing and the inheritance that he thought he could get from him? It would seem that, that when he doesn't get the blessing when his plan doesn't come how he wanted to, when he doesn't get the things that he wanted, and he chooses to spite his father, it seems in that moment that he didn't really love his father. He just loved the blessing. He loved the idea of an inheritance. I hope that we wouldn't approach God this way. I hope that we would never love something that God could give us more than we would love God himself. Because that's not loving God if we do. It's, it's making that thing God. So would we love God this morning for who He is, for the person that He is, not for the things that we would get from Him or the blessings that He would bring? And so first we see Esau's rebellion to God's plan. And what we see in Jacob is quite the opposite. We see some really good trust. And among other things, uh, we see him trusting God and praising God. So we see Jacob, that he obeys this command. What it says is that Jacob went. So God, uh, Isaac says, go, take a wife from from here, and then Jacob goes immediately. He leaves, he goes and takes this wife from, from Laban's family, and that, that'll come up in a couple chapters. There's a lot of messiness that happens around that. What we see is that Jacob is trusting God's plan. He's going, he's obeying his father, and while on the way, we see God interact with Jacob in a dream. So we see he's, he's on this trip, it gets dark, late one night, he's tired, he takes this stone for a rock, or for a, for a pillow, I don't know why he wouldn't fold up a cloak or something, but he uses this rock, lays it down, and he, and he sleeps on it. And during that sleep, he has this really cool dream where God speaks to him. So we heard, we heard Hannah read it. I want you to imagine it, that, that there's this ladder, or a stairway maybe, going up to heaven. It's going all the way up to the sky. Imagine it going through a cloud. At the top of that cloud is an opening. And he, there's angels coming in and out of that opening. They're climbing up and down the ladder. 
and it's essentially a gateway to heaven. And then out of that opening, Isaac sees God. He sees God and God speaks to him, and he makes him this fourfold promise. He makes him the covenant, the same covenant that he had made with Abraham and that he had made with Isaac. And this, this promise is, is fourfold. Like I said, it's, it's an earthwide blessing. So he says that through your family, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And then also the promise is about a numerous family. You'll have lots of family, lots of family members. And then he talks about his presence. He says, I will go with you. And then finally he says, land. I think it's at the beginning where he says, land. You, you will get this land, particularly the very land that you're standing on. He says, I will bring you back to this land. Land, And this was really quite the dream. Like, this was a spectacular dream. I think me and my cynical, like skeptical nature, if I'd had that dream and woke up on a rock, I would have thought, man, I must have tripped right here and hit this rock. And that's why I had this crazy dream. But Jacob, we show Jacob has a lot of trust. And we see Jacob hears these really cool things from God, this really cool promise from God, sees this awesome vision from God. And we see Jacob responds with two really cool things. He responds with a new mindset, and he responds with worship. Look at, look at first this new mindset that Jacob has. Look at verses 16 through 17. It says, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Some really, really cool things that, that Jacob admits right there. How awesome is this place? This is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. I imagine when he woke up, he looked up to the sky where he saw that ladder, and he said, there's a stairway to heaven right there. I just saw it in my sleep. I just imagine him seeing that and just the awe that he feels over this. And what Jacob's realizing is that in this ordinary place that he was just passing through, Jacob realizes, wow. Maybe God is here in this place. Maybe God is here. And as a people, as a church who, who is located in a place, I would bring this to our mind to consider like our town, to consider Troy. A lot of families in our church have a story of they either grew up here or they went to school here and they had every intention of getting as far away as they could. And yet they're sitting right here right now. And what we see is that a lot of the fa these families had fell in love with this place. They saw God working here, saw God being able to use them here, and we saw they, they fell in love with it. And so wherever you are for a season or for a lifetime, God has you there for a reason. And remember that wherever you are, He's working. And when He's working, He's inviting us in on that work. He's inviting us to be a part of it. And if we trust that God has us where He has us for a reason, then I think that He'll be pleased to do some really cool things for us, to do really big things for us. I think there's so much potential for God to do things in us when we really settle into a place. And what would it look like if we committed to loving a city and its people as a church with the mindset that God has work to do here and with the mindset that He's calling us into it, that He's inviting us to be a part of it? Like it would give coaching sports a whole new meaning. Like rec sports, it would give that a whole new meaning. It would make your work environment a mission field. It would give like your casual friendships, maybe friendships that you'll have in college, roommates, it'll give those casual things really intense purpose. It would give your four to five years that you spend here at college if you're a student such a deeper meaning. It would give your family a new vision. 
if we would just share with Jacob in this mindset that says, surely the Lord is in this place, then I believe God would do some really big things through us. I believe people would get to know Jesus through us being present and active alongside God in a place and in a time. So would we commit to that? Would we commit to a place to say we're settled in here? Uh, Troy is, and it's not that Troy is special. This is wherever you are, but Troy really is a special place. We got so many cool things going on. We got the university. We got so many industries. We got students. We got families. It's a really cool place, and I believe God's doing some really cool things here. And if we would commit to that, if we would would submit to that, and, and fall into that, and, and love people, and act with God, I think we would see some really, really big things that God would do. And so we see Jacob responds with a new mindset, a mindset that I would love for us to have. But he also responds with worship. Look at verse 18 through 20. It says, So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. So Jacob, he takes this stone, this, this pillow, and turns it to a pillar. It's not, that's how my grandmother might would say pillow, pillar. He takes this rock that he was sleeping on, and he makes it this monument, basically. He takes this thing and he says, this is how I'm going to remember God. This is an act of worship. He's acknowledging God's work in that place and he marks it so that he can remember it. And then Jacob does something that seems really bold. He he somewhat challenges God. He says, if you will do these things that you say you'll do, then you'll be my God and I will give you a full tenth. I will return worship back to you if you keep your end of the promise. Now that's a really bold thing to do. I think it's for this point in redemption history, it's a really faithful thing for him to do. But for where we are, I don't think we approach God this way. I don't think we approach God this way because he has already done what he has promised. He's already completed what he said he would do. So we're not looking forward. We're not saying, God, if you'll just do what you said you would do, then I'll trust you because he already has done it through Jesus. What we do is we look at him and we say, God, through Jesus, you completed all these things that you said you would do in Genesis and elsewhere in the Old Testament, God, through, through Him, You've given us redemption. Through Him, You've completed this plan, or at least got it to the peak. And so what we do is we look to that, and we say, I trust You because of, of that. Not what You would do, but what You have done in us. That's the basis for our trust. But like I said, for Jacob, in this point in history, I think he's showing some really cool faith in this story. He goes on to mess up, though. He shows really good, awesome faith right here, but he goes on to mess it up again and again. He's not the perfect example of faith. And even if he was, even if Jacob was the perfect example of faith, how much more do we act like Esau than we do Jacob? How much more do we act like Esau? We are full of doubt, fear, and sin, and spite, and mistrust. We respond like Esau all the time. But the good news is that Jesus has responded like Jacob, but Jesus has done it perfectly. When presented with God's plan for redemption, for the cross, Jesus submitted to it perfectly. Even knowing that it led to agonizing, undeserved death, He did it perfectly for you and for me. He submits to that. I want you to think back to a moment 
or for a moment about the dream that Joseph had or that Jacob had about the ladder going up. Now think about the Lord's Prayer when Jesus says, you know, your kingdom come. And as we think about the plan and the will of God as we have today, <clears throat> like we said, that's the goal, that the kingdom would come. And I want you to see how Jesus does all of that. Like Jesus is the fulfillment of this dream. If there is a ladder to heaven, Jesus is that ladder. Like if there's an opening to God, Jesus is that opening. He's the way in which we have this relationship with God. Jesus is the epitome of this dream. And when we, when we imagine that ladder, like I think we'd probably imagine us climbing up to that ladder, right? But what we see is that Jesus came down the ladder. Jesus came out of heaven. Jesus came here and lived in perfect faith and submission to the Father. And He invites us to join Him in that. To join Him in the work that God is doing while we are here in this place and in this time. And just think about it. We're only here for a just tiny little blip of the course of history. Just a moment. But God is working just like He was with Isaac and, and Jacob and, and those people. He's working just as much and actively, and He's calling us into it. Would we respond like Esau? Or would we respond like Jacob? And the truth that we've already discovered is that we respond like Esau. We respond like Esau all the time, but Jesus responded like Jacob. And He is a better and perfect Jacob for us. And on that basis, we come to Him and in faith, and we can trust not in our own goodness, but in the goodness of God. Then, then on the basis of Jesus' trust, then we can say, God, would you give us grace to be more like Jacob? Would you give us grace to be more like Jesus, to trust more like they did? Would you give us, would you give us grace to doubt less? There's a song that we sing here. It's called, Tis So Sweet. It's Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. But it goes on to say, oh, for grace to trust Him more. Oh, for grace to trust Him more. Would we pray earnestly for grace that we would trust God more? That we would join in the work that He is doing in the people and in the place of this city? That we would trust like Jacob? That we would trust like Jesus and leave our Esau tendencies behind us? That we would turn and be submitted to God and His plan? Thanks again for tuning in. And don't forget to check us out on Facebook, at our website, or even in person right here in Troy. All information and links are in our description. Thank you and God bless.